When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre. Our guest this week is a songwriter, TV and film actor, a Grammy-winning vocalist, a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and a founding member of one of the most successful and influential and volatile groups in the history of popular music from the years 1965 to 1968. She and her famous mates, John Phillips, Cass Elliott, and Denny Doherty recorded hit after hit, including Monday Monday, Words of Love, I Saw Her Again, 1230, Go Where You Wanna Go, and one of the most defining anthems of the folk rock era, California Dreaming, a song that she also co-wrote. As an actress, she's appeared in feature films like Valentino, Dillinger, Savage Harvest, Let It Ride, Bloodline, and notable TV series like The Love Boat, Murder, She Wrote, Hotel, Star Trek, The Next Generation, Spin City, Seventh Heaven, and the scheming Anne Matheson Sumner on the hit drama Knots Landing, which scored her an award as Best Villainess from Soap Opera Digest. In 1998, she was uh, inducted along with her surviving bandmates into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for their numerous contributions to the music industry. She can also be seen in two recent documentaries about the center of the 1960s music revolution, 2018's Echo in the Canyon, and 2020's two-part docu-series, Laurel Canyon. She's also the author of a terrific memoir, and one you can still find, 1986 California Dreamin', the true story 
of the Mamas and the Papas, Frank and I are excited and flattered that she agreed to sit and chat with us. So please welcome to the show a pop culture icon and a woman who once won 17 straight passes at a San Juan casino craps table, paying for the group's flight home to New York when they were down to their last dollar. The great Michelle Phillips. (laughs) Yay! Thank you. (laughs) I'm I'm so impressed. How I are love you, to have it, I, I love to have it condensed like that. You know, it's like yeah, yes. God, are you kidding? <laughs> I did. Now, now, my my first question, and I don't know if this is urban legend. Uh, did any of the mamas and the papas ever use drugs? Oh no! <laughs> no, heaven forbid. <laughs> you mean things like LSD and uh, pot? And uh, psilocybin and uh, uh, amphetamines. <laughs> no. And, and we have to count the whiskey in the studio. Uh, that was in the contract, actually. Yeah, that, right. <laughs> <laughs> that we didn't have to show up at the studio unless there was a case of Crown Royal and a case of Marlboro Reds. You know, we we all smoked like you know little chimneys, and uh, and and we drank copiously, uh, and we all like you know the the great thing was we all like Marlboros and we all like uh, uh, we all like Crown Royal. That's nice. So you could share. Yeah, we could share. Kept it simple, <laughs> and uh... now, do you feel that the <laughs> The drinking and drugs, uh, on special occasions, of course. Uh, do you feel the drinking and drugs helped your music any? I think that when we behaved badly, we had much more to write about. By the time we, you know, stopped, you know, sleeping with each other. <laughs> <laughs> There was nothing more to write about. <laughs> it, it 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 became a problem, you know, trying to uh, write about things you didn't know. So, uh, you know, my affairs uh, always always contributed a lot to uh, you know our our material. Well, two of the biggest hits. Go we go where you want to go, and uh, and I saw her again. Uh, right. About you. Yeah. And and it seems like the mamas and the papas, it was like a, a French bedroom farce with who is sleeping <laughs> with who and who wants to sleep with who. And Well, Cass 
was, I'm going to blame this all on Cass. Uh, <laughs> she, she was mad for Denny. And that's the only reason that she was even hanging out with us. Because Denny and John and I were in a folk group together, the New Journeyman. And uh, I remember it was January 9th, 1965, uh, when we knew that this girl existed because she had been in the mugwumps with Denny mm-hmm. before, but we'd never met her. So um, she was coming over to our apartment in the East Village that night. And so uh, about an hour before she arrived, there was, uh, well, there was this dealer. <laughs> A dealer. A dealer. And, <laughs> okay. and, and, and he was he was going to come over and bring us some pot, and which he did. And then he kind of held out his hand, and he had these little sugar cubes in his hand, and he said, uh, want to try something new? It's called LSD-25, and it's really great. And John, without giving it a second thought, just picked up a cube and threw it in his mouth, and he says, here, Mitch, have one. So I took it, and Denny took his, and uh, I went around. I went to the pharmacy. I came back. I was going up and down the stairs, and and um, we were waiting for Cass, and I, uh, I, I, I heard the doorbell ring, and I, I thought, well, there she is, you know, so... As I passed the, the guys, I said, I don't know about you guys, but this drug does nothing for me. At which point I opened the door and it was like a kaleidoscope. It, it, there was Cass Elliot in a pink Angora sweater, <laughs> a white pleated skirt, white go-go boots, lashes out to here, and her hair in a flip. And I said, you know, don't complain yet, guys. I think, I think I've got it. <laughs> and uh, I just said, uh, Cass, we just took this drug, LSD-25. We have an extra cube. You want one? She said, sure. <laughs> wow. So uh, that was such an interesting evening. I mean, the first time you ever took LSD and you you met Cass Elliot and I mean, I and I just I just thought she was so fabulous. I you I described it an instant romance in the in, in the book. A, yeah, an instant, an instant connection. Yeah, I just adored her, and and she told me that she was madly in love with Denny, and uh, that was actually the first time I ever looked at him like that mm-hmm. and i i looked at him and i thought yeah he is he's cute <laughs> <laughs> don't you say michelle that it's inevitable with a band with with especially a band with men and women being so closely knit spending all their time together obviously we saw it in fleetwood mac and other right. and Jeff, jefferson airplane and, and jefferson bands. airplane yeah I mean, and you you said it just it it has to happen in a way yeah it's unavoidable it, it's there's something about singing together and creating together. Mm-hmm. And uh, you you have to look at that person straight in the eye 
when you're singing so that you make sure that you're blending together and and uh, you're both singing the same lyric. Um, and it, it it it's inevitable. I mean, you 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 get into somebody's heart and soul mm-hmm. when when uh, you're creating, and then when you hear it back, you know, when they play it back, it's it's like you fall in love with what you're creating, and at the same time, you fall in love with the people who are creating it with you. That's interesting. They was unfortunately, a... unfortunately, it was my husband. Yes. There was a story that uh, the mamas and the papas said, let's go someplace. And I think you had like a globe or something. It was it was actually a map that was on the uh, uh, wall, a great big map of the world. And <laughs> they they put this was the, the, the same night, the the LSD night. And they put a. Uh, uh, a scarf around my eyes, and they turned me around, and I had a dart. <laughs> and they put me in front of the 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 map, and they said, "Just throw the dart, and that's where we're going." And so the dart kind of ha- landed right in the middle of the Atlantic. And <laughs> Denny kind of looked at it, and he went over and he picked out the dart, and he hopped it over. Over to the Virgin Islands, <laughs> and he says, "Well, that's where we're going, the Virgin Islands, and that's where we were headed for in less than two weeks." And and, and how much acid did you bring to the Virgin Islands? Well, didn't well, Mama didn't 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 she, Cass Elliot show up with the giant? Well, she showed up with a huge bottle of liquid LSD, right. <laughs> and you know. We were we were camping out uh, on uh, on um, what was the name of the, on Saint John, and uh, we were just the, John and well there were there was John and me, and then my sister and her boy from Peter Palafian, and the doctor Eric Horde with his girlfriend Nadine and uh and uh we we so, had been there for a, a few weeks just drinking you, you know this guy would come by he had a uh a, a cooler that was you know full of ice and cold coconuts and he would take his machete and he would chop the top off the coconut and then he'd take a bottle of rum and pour like half a glass of rum in it. And so that was breakfast. And <laughs> breakfast was rum out of a coconut. <laughs> These and were good times. It was, it was really an amazing time. You know, we would, we would scuba dive and, uh, you know, you, you just, there's a beautiful reef there and you just swim with the fishes and you know yellow and green and blue and and uh, <laughs> and then one day one day we're just all lying around and we see this little pink dot at the end of the beach 
And we're all kind of staring at it and saying, what's that? And it's coming towards us. And all of a sudden, Denny jumps up and he says, oh, my God, it's Cass. <laughs> and he goes running down the beach and he tackles her in the sand. And and uh, uh, she, she came with this huge bottle of LSD. So that took care of that problem. <laughs> and uh uh we stayed we stayed there uh at the at the camp for a, a couple of months and then we had to go to Charlotte to Charlotte Amelie because um well we just run out of money and uh and, and then came the American Express card. <laughs> well, yeah. we were use we were using the American Express card on St. John. It was mm-hmm. a there was a little grocer and how this little grocer had an American Express card machine, I don't know, but he <laughs> he did. And uh uh so then then we went to Duffy's uh and he had like a little tiny hotel that had the ho- the hotel had about eight rooms in it, and uh, we just invaded Duffy's, and he <laughs> he adored us, and 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 Cass would not, you know, she she would not sing with us. I mean, he he had a little stage built for us and so john and denny and i would get up and sing on stage and peter palafian was uh playing the drums and uh eric horde was playing lead guitar and john was playing his guitar and i was playing tambourine and um Cass was effectively a singing waitress yeah yeah, yeah. It, because you know she wouldn't get up and sing with us because she told John that she would never let anybody make that distinction between us and yeah. uh, she would just not do that so she would sing the fourth part from the floor <laughs> sounded great <laughs> we will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this how did you you were stuck in the Virgin Islands. So how did you get home? Well, the first plane that left Charlotte Amelie for uh, San, uh, San Juan took our bad check. But once we got to San Juan, they would not, I think it was uh, TWA or Pan Am, would not take our bad check to get to New York. So John just said, well, he, we had a little powwow, and he said, "How much money do we have?" And I, I said, "John, we only have twenty-seven dollars and eighteen cents." <laughs> he said, "Well, there's only one thing to do with it." And I said, what? what? What do we do with it? I, he says, "We're going to go to the casino." <laughs> Unbelievable! It just made which would be like sense. the dumbest thing you could do at that point. I mean, why? I wanted to have a little dinner, at least a little hamburger or something, you know. Why, but, why were you the one chosen to throw the dice, Michelle, of of, uh, of the four 
of you. And you you had not played craps to that point, I'm assuming. Never. Right. I, I didn't know how to play the game. Right. But, but I knew how to throw dice. <laughs> I just love this. So you're down to your last 27 bucks. You hit the craps table. And then and what happened? And, as, and, we, as we alluded to in the intro. And then I just keep winning over and over and over again. And finally, I threw 17 straight passes. And we, we were soaked in money. And we went back to the airport and, and still made the flight that we had originally wanted to make. <laughs> and uh, it, it was just, you know, beginner's luck. And, um, uh, you know, we, I believe we all went back first class. That's uh, a great story. Yeah. It, I had it's another a... experience like that many, many years later when I was taught how to play Chemin de Fer. And I started with $100, and three days later, I left the casino with 25000 Wow. Yeah. And, and, and I hardly knew what I was doing, you know. But um, <laughs> That's impressive, Michelle. Yeah. That's I, impressive. I think that that the reason I was uh, the, when the second time it happened was whenever I got tired, I, I would go back to the suite and take a nap, and then I would curl my hair a little bit and put on a fresh little cocktail dress and go downstairs, and all my friends would be sweating over the table, you know. <laughs> losing hundreds of thousands of dollars and and i say oh the shoe's mine right okay and uh the same thing happened i mean three days later they came to get me at the table and they said come on the plane's ready we're we're all ready to go and i had exactly twenty five thousand dollars well you got a winning touch yeah but you know i i can only say don't gamble when you're tired (laughs) <laughs> Gilbert, do you know how to throw dice? Uh, yeah, I don't know how to win. But... <laughs> and I don't I don't really have the strength to throw dice. <laughs> M- Michelle, talk about how Cass w- was an influence, not only on your singing, but you said in, the, in your memoir that you, you'd never had a friend like that. You'd never known a woman that, that kind of, that strong-willed and that independent in a way. Well, uh... You know, I, I was I was pretty young too, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, I was seven. I had turned seventeen uh, two weeks before I met John, mm-hmm. and um, so I I just took that as you know a sign that I was old enough to break up his marriage and you know <laughs> take off with her husband. Uh, um and you're very you're very frank about that in the book too you say had i been a person who was naturally monogamous <laughs> and not and not such a free spirit not, not none of this none of this trouble would have happened but i was a troublemaker yeah i was uh but you know john contributed to the trouble as well i'm sure you know john was nine years older than me so uh than i was some of it rebelliousness? <laughs> uh, 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 what, was, what, was some of it rebelliousness about, uh, uh, against him trying to control you? 
or was uh, it or, or was it just the just just that you were that age and and you you felt the need to explore and be free well uh, you know these situations kept coming up you know i mean i did have an affair with uh lovely rusts you know i I was, you know, kind of boy crazy, I think, when I was still 17, 18, 19. I, mm-hmm. I was just a kid. And and, uh, and these guys that I met were all talented, you know, and, and beautiful and headed for success. And, you know, I, I remember when, when Russ... Uh, Played me a demo, and he said, "I want you to hear this song. Uh, uh, we're, we're producing it." And he played me anyone who had a heart. Oh wow! And I thought, "Wow, this guy's pretty smart." <laughs> and he was very handsome, and um, very flirtatious, and. Um, you know, uh, and and Denny, when Denny and I were in, in the Virgin Islands, I mean, n- nothing could start an affair faster than, you know, sitting under the coconut tree, you know, drinking, you know, drinking coconut and rum and uh, doing the uh, little dab of LSD every now and then I'll and, bet. And, and, and singing together. And we we were just singing all the time and we, you know, like the campfires. It was heaven on earth. And it sounds it. You said in some interview that you felt when you were poor, when the whole band was poor and struggling, that you were your most creative. Yes, I think so. Because once, once the money started pouring in, um we weren't living together anymore uh when we were poor we were together and uh, so a lot could happen but um once we got rich everyone had their own house and we would yeah. get together for uh, rehearsal and you know so you stopped working collaboratively yeah when it when everybody when the success came in and everybody was on their own yeah and and, and then at that point and and especially after you know it became uh clear that Denny and I had uh some interest in each other uh Cass just was heartbroken she and and she felt like I had really stabbed her in the back and that Denny had stabbed her in the back because she really mm-hmm. thought that she was going to, you know, she used to say, you know, I'm on a diet. And when I lose the weight, he's mine. He's all mine. And they had the funniest relationship. Uh, they were like the, the an old married couple who would sit uh, around, you know, drinking, uh, you know, having a cocktail and sitting on the couch together and they'd have their, you know, arms around each other and they would laugh and tell jokes. And it, mm-hmm. they, uh, 
they were really, um, they were very suited for each other in many ways, you know, but uh, that was not to be. Yeah, yeah. It was part of the problem too that that you that you know you didn't have time. The record company didn't give John time to write, to 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 come up with new material. I mean, uh, it, all they a wanted lot, a lot of yeah. You know, all they a wanted lot of the interns. more more material more and more. more and more material, and as we all agreed, it's at one point that it, if they had been really smart, they would have put us right back on a plane to the Virgin Islands and said. You know, go, you know, go make some more trouble between yourselves. (laughs) Right. Come, come back with 10 new songs. And and there was a time uh, Mama Cass was arrested. Oh, Oh, that was in in England. Yeah, that was, that was as we were getting off the QE2. But it, it, the whole thing was, the whole thing was ridiculous because, um, they arrested her for stealing a key, a hotel key, and a blanket. Now you know that that's not why they were arresting Cass yeah. Elliot. Yeah, you know? that everybody steals. I mean, I I I'm, should be in prison now. No, you 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 be getting the electric chair, Gilbert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, steal, if stealing from a hotel was a crime. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, they were actually looking for uh, a guy named Pick. Uh, I won't give you his last name because we can, you know. But he was, mm-hmm. he, he was, um, uh, money laundering and dealing, and and they were looking for him, and they knew that that uh, he was a, a boyfriend of Cass's, so they thought that they could find, you know, if they got her in jail, they can, uh, you know, th- that they would find him, but. Um, we had to go to her hearing the following day because she spent the night in jail. Mm-hmm. And uh, and when the the judge heard what the charges were, he just <laughs> what? <laughs> and uh, he says, you know, this is ridiculous. He says, Miss Elliot, you leave this court with no stain on your character. <laughs> and he dismissed the charges, and that was that. But it 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 it, uh, it ruined our uh, our. We were going to play Albert Hall, and then we were going to go to Paris and play the Olympia. Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? The Olympia? I think so. So there were cancellations because it, yeah, and so it was all canceled, and um, uh, that's what the writing was on the wall by this point, though. For the for the for the end of the group, yeah. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it it was, you know. But but uh, before we left New York, we got all this pot. Before we got on the ship, and once we were on the ship, it's a growling dog. Is, is uh, that is that is that Michelle's dog? Yeah, that's Lulu. Okay. Lulu, quiet. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Lulu wants to be part of the show. Yeah. How 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 did how did Cass make you a better singer, Michelle? Because we point out you didn't start, you didn't have any designs on being a professional singer. You were a model. When yeah, when, I, when I, John asked you to join the trio. 
Yeah. Uh, can we just stop this for a minute while I go sure. Uh, sure. kill sure, the sure. dog? We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast, but first, a word from our sponsor. Now, getting back to doing drugs, uh, the mamas and the papas. Funny you should should mention it. (laughs) I'm having a nice glass of red wine right now. So is I, Gilbert. I have a red wine in my coffee cup. Yeah, you know. I'm I'm like know. Jackie Gleason. Once, once you start this thing, it never ends. It's, yeah. You know. Oh, say, that's good coffee. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's Reggie Van Gleason now. <laughs> now, the mamas and the papas would get stoned with the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. Uh, at various times, they went to London when they threw me out of the group. They went to London and they met the Beatles without in, in me. In 66. In 66. Right. I have never cried so hard in my life that they would, they would hate me so much that they would get on a plane and fly to London and meet the Beatles without me. So I did not get to meet, I, I did not get ever get to meet John. I met Paul for about two minutes. I liked uh, George a lot. And I, uh, I have met Ringo just kind of fleetingly. But um, that was really mean, you know, because that was something that we, dreamed about doing mm-hmm. you reprinted you know? the you reprinted the the letter of uh your dismissal in the in the <laughs> in the in the book yeah it's pretty brutal you know, it is it is brutal and and uh and you know your your reaction to it was was also very interesting um and yet the jill gibson experiment the jill gibson replacement did not work out and 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 you came back well, also, it didn't help that they were trying to pass her off as me. Yes. And were fans yelling, where's Michelle? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it was embarrassing. Uncomfortable. And it, was, it was very embarrassing for 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 the group, but it was it was very embarrassing for Jill. Yeah. I mean, they could have said, "We, you know, we want to introduce you to Mama Jill, and uh, Mama Michelle could not make it. You know, they could have slid into it a little bit yeah, mm-hmm. instead of just... Uh, and she looked a lot like me, too. Um, in the book, there's the picture of... Uh, sure. That they, they superimposed her... Right. Uh, on, on the picture, uh, they superimposed her over me. And that was going to be the, 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 the album. I mean, it was... It was pretty cruel. You know, they did a lot of cruel things, but then again, I was no angel. <laughs> and and why did they Of course. Why did they fire you originally? Because John and I had separated and he and Denny were living up in Laurel Canyon on Woods Drive and um John but but we were still working together. 
So I was living in Laurel Canyon on Lookout Mountain, and Denny was li- living on Appian Way, mm-hmm. and Cass was living on uh, Stanley Hills. So we were all within, uh, I don't know, three or four blocks of each other. Uh, so we were still working together. We we uh, would do concerts, and uh, I'd go my way, and John would go his way, and John started seeing Anne Marshall, a beautiful model, who a da- daughter of a famous actor, uh, Her- uh, Her- Herbert Marshall. Herbert Marshall, uh-huh. right? And um, and I started a little quiet affair with Gene Clark <laughs> from, <laughs> from, from the, the birds, birds. yeah. Right. Right. And he, oh, I love Gene. He was great. Uh, he lived on Stanley Hills too, right down the street from Cass. So it was all kind of very close, incestuous in a way, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gene told me one day that he had never seen us in concert. And he he knew we were going to do uh, Melody Land, and he said you think you can get me a couple of tickets to go? And I said, sure. So I called the office and I said, you know, uh, hold two tickets for uh, Gene Clark. And he said, fine. I didn't, I didn't give it another thought until reality hit. We came out and I, I, I did not realize that it was theater in the round. Mm-hmm. And... I did not realize that Gene Clark was going to be sitting in the front row in a red leather jacket and a grin from here to here. And and Cass saw it first. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and to save my life, she grabbed my hand and she said, come with me. And she went, she went right in front of Gene so that the boys could not see him. And... Uh, and we got pretty comfortable, you know, singing because pretty soon we were, Cass and I were both singing to Gene. And, uh, can I, can I use a bad word here? Of course. Uh, Okay. Look look whose show this is. (laughs) (laughs) All of a sudden we're singing, we're in the middle of a song and we hear John say, Get the fuck over here! And he had turned around and had seen what was going what? on, and right. saw, it was it, it was very hard to miss Gene Clark, very very hard. And he had kind of heard that I was seeing Gene, but nothing was more insulting than me bringing Gene to the concert. And he thought he thought you were flaunting it, flaunting the affair. Yeah, and, yeah, well, embarrass, embarrassing him. Right, and Marshall was there too in the yeah, front right, row. Exactly. And her little well, that that leads Rudy to an Gern awkward. Right. That leads and, to oh, an awkward. I, I want to tell you, Michelle, uh, feel free to use as many dirty words as you can. <laughs> okay, you asked for it. <laughs> that's the kind of show it is. Okay. <laughs> this this is an awkward question, Michelle, that I've always wanted to to ask you. you. You know, Danny was in the affair too, 
And why why was the woman, maybe this is the old double standard of the patriarchy, why was the woman, you in this case, the one punished? Well, you see, I didn't really get punished for Denny because John could not get rid of Denny. I see. Uh, Denny was the tenor. And, you know... I mean, but it looks to the outside world like they just went off and wrote a song about it. Well, they did that day. (laughs) That day. uh, They, uh, you know, and I remember John, and after John found out about it, he, he actually said to me, he said, you know, you can do a lot of things to be Mitch, but you don't fuck my tenor. It's a great line. I know it's it's you 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 don't make this thing this kind of stuff up really. And I just looked at him like, you don't fuck my tenor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, he but he was so he was willing, in in a way, to forgive that, mm-hmm. and he could go off and have his affairs, but he. But he really did feel that I was flaunting Gene Clark, and Gene Clark was a big star. And that was like a real slap in the face to him. So um, it, it was my birthday. It was my 23rd birthday. I, I mean, I came off that stage and ran to my car because I had driven out to, to uh, Anaheim. And um, I got into the car and I was just about ready to get out of there when, when John came running up and he opened the door and he looked at me and he said, you're fired. You're fired. You understand that? And I said, John, I, I don't really think you have the authority to do that. He said, really? You want to bet? <laughs> And I kept thinking in the back of my mind, he can't do that. He can't really fire me. But um, a couple of days went by, and I got a call from Abe Summer, our attorney. And he said uh, something like, if you're wondering about the silence, they've all left. They're in London And that's when I started to realize that I was screwed. (laughs) I was totally screwed. And then Danny called me a couple of nights later, and he said, you know, he was drunk out of his mind. And he said, Mitch, I've tried to talk to them, but there's there's nothing I can do, you know. We're here with Jill, and she's rehearsing with us. He says... I said, you're, you're there with Jill? Lou's Jill? Yeah. And so there they were. Lou, Lou, Lou Adler's, Adler's girlfriend, for, mm-hmm. our, for, our, for our listeners who don't know that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, you know, there was this plaintive wail in Laurel Canyon. <laughs> and, and then I got then the... the the messenger arrived with the letter a mm-hmm. couple of days after that. And it pretty much said, you know, 
thanks a lot. You're fired. We don't want to sing with you anymore. Don't call yourself mama. <laughs> Whatever. They didn't say that, but basically... That, that, um, had, that had to hurt. I didn't have a friend. At, <sighs> yeah. It hurt, right. and I, I didn't have a friend in the world. I mean, my best right. friend, m- my lover, my husband, my agent, my my label, my uh, lawyer, you know, mm-hmm. they were all gone. And... Um, and then when I got this letter, it was signed by John and Cass and Denny. And, um, but I, I, I will say that Abe, it, when I went to see him, I, I, I said, Abe, what do I do? And he said, Michelle, you know, I'm the attorney for the Mamas and the Papas. And you are no longer in the Mamas and the Papas. So I can't really you know, tell you what you can do. Mm-hmm. He said, but I will, I will tell you this, that letter you got, it's not a legal document. Don't worry. Oh, that's, that's interesting. He said, go get a lawyer and take that letter with you. And I've always really loved Abe for that and respected him for trying to help. I mean, he, he was in a, a position also, you know, where, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how did you eventually get back to the mamas and the papas? A lot of groveling and and <laughs> pleading and begging and crying, and um. But they, but they uh went off to to Forest Hills to do their first show, mm-hmm. and uh. And and Jill, Jill was a fine singer. I mean, she she didn't have a problem learning the parts to a whole concert in the small amount of time that she had to do that. And she 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 didn't sing as flat as I did. <laughs> <laughs> tell 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 I started to ask you before about your singing and and that you never and it's very clear in the book that you really never set out to be a singer. No, that there, and there's a there, yeah. It's obviously it's a pivotal moment. You had been modeling. You had been making a nice living modeling, and then John yeah. said, "Give it up, and become part of this trio." And this is even before Denny comes into the picture. Right. So, so at this point, it's Marshall Brickman. Mm-hmm. And if our listeners know that name, he went on to co-write Sleeper and Annie Hall with Woody Allen, and write write and, for the Dick Cavett, become a director, and produce uh, the Jersey Boys and the Jersey and, Boys and, on and, Broadway. And, yeah, he wrote the book for the yes. For the Jersey Boys, and Very. he's he's such a rich man now. <laughs> Mar- I re- there's an interesting interview. There's an article in Vanity Fair not long ago, and Marshall was talking about the the you know I, I don't know why he had to get out of there. He he told you guys I have to be a I want to be a writer. I'm following a different muse. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know the truth is there wasn't really a singer among us. Right. He was playing the banjo. He he was playing great banjo and he plays beautiful guitar. Mm-hmm. And um you know, he he sang okay, but we didn't have we we didn't have a Denny. You know, right. we didn't have someone who could just stop you in your tracks, you know, listening to to him sing. Uh and uh 
he said, no, I want to go to New York and, and, and start writing. And we were going, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, good luck. <laughs> and, um, and then we put, then John uh, heard that the Halifax Three had broken up. And right, we that was had, Denny's group. And that was Denny's group. And so we put the, you know, the word out that we were looking for Denny Doherty. And he finally called and we said, come on over. We want to sing and see if we, you know, sound good together. And that's how you became a singer, essentially, singing in the house. uh, Well. With them. Yeah, but I was already, um, I had already been trained a little bit by John. Mm -hmm. And I'd also studied with, he had me studying with Judy Davis in San Francisco. And also with. Bert Knapp in New York, and, uh, uh, you know, John always said, you know, anybody can sing. And I said, what do you mean anybody can sing? He says, all it, all it is is training. It's like anything else. You know, mm-hmm. you, you learn how to do it. And um, in my case, certainly, that, that did, I had a terrible intonation problem. And, uh, but, you know, you, you learn if you go to classes and you, you know, you learn how to sing, um, and you learn how to blend with, you know, uh, uh, you know, then it works out. But I, I started singing with, um, Marshall and John. And then when Marshall decided to go back to New York and, uh, start writing, we found Denny, and he mm-hmm. came over, and we were singing w- with Denny. We did the Shoreham Hotel. We opened for Bill, Bill uh, Crosby, Bill Cosby, and um, it's just the three of you now. You, John, and Denny. Yeah. Yeah. A star is born. <laughs> you, you were very funny, by the way. In that, this Vanity Fair article, you had a very funny line because Marshall Brickman was talking about the. <laughs> He was talking about the complicated energy of you and John together, <laughs> yeah. the, st- the storm that was you and John. And he says, when he came to the house, there were drugs, but not for me. Right. And then he says, there was sex, but not for, for me. me. And then you said, do you remember what you said? Yes, I do. I said, because he didn't stick around long enough. <laughs> he said he left the group too early. <laughs> That's a f- very funny line. Can I Thank bring you. up two romances with two very famous people. Uh, you had a romance with Warren Beatty and Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> why not? <laughs> Gilbert, Gilbert did too. Yeah. Full, full disclosure. Uh, I, you know, uh, um, I talked to Warren yesterday. Oh. It was his birthday. And uh, we talk a couple of times a year. It's all very uh, friendly, and but it was hell. It was hell. But with but both Jack and with Warren, um, for very different reasons. Jack, uh, Jack had a, a hair trigger temper, and just felt that he could talk to anybody 
in any way he felt like he wanted, you know, he'd scream at you like, where's my fucking comb? You go, gee, no, I, I don't know. <laughs> wow. You know, it's amazing. I, I wonder. And then it was, you know, he, where are my keys? <laughs> Jack, I really have no idea. But, you know, let's, you know, let's go look around the house and see if we can find him. Where's my damn sunglasses? And I said, Jack, listen. Someday, I'm going to just pick up my purse and walk out the door with my daughter and that will be the end of our relationship. And you will not have the slightest idea why I got up and left. And um, and in fact, that's exactly what happened. And uh, I left and I n- never went back. And, you know, he has a lot of great qualities. Mm-hmm. But, you know, keeping track of his, you know, Stuff. Did you stay cordial over, yes. over over the years? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. and what was I, one? I, I never let anyone go. Yeah. <laughs> you never nice, know when they'll come a, in handy. It's a nice quality. Yes, that's true. That's very and, true. And what was Warren like? Uh, Warren, well, what do you think? <laughs> For God's sake. Well, you uh, may I say that you something you said you said you 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 love Annette. Benning, and you often you often pray for her. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know how some some people put up with it. You know, uh-huh, I uh-huh. I asked a friend of mine once. I said, when Angelica Houston had been with Jack for something like, you know, seventeen years, I mean, it's a long time. I say, how does she take it? And then. This friend of mine said, because Jack is very much like her father, and she was used to it. And oh, so it was like water off a duck's back for her. She didn't let it affect her uh, personally. Hmm. I took it all very personally. Um, and, and But with Warren, it was just, you know, uh, it... it, it it, it it was a constant uh constant drama and um and i knew that there were that there were other women that that he was dating we were living together and this is right around the time of shampoo if i have the if i have the yeah. chronology right yeah right. so you're, you're you're in the movie someplace yeah yeah uh, yeah i i called robert town the director and I just said, please, I'm so bored. Please let me do anything. I'll just just put me in a party scene. He says, I have a party scene coming up. <laughs> so, uh, Warren and I started seeing each other that uh, right then. And that was the end of the movie. So mm-hmm. um, uh, he, he was still kind of going with Julie Christie. Right, and uh, and 
Warren said something to me once. He says, what do you want more than anything in the world that I can give you? And I said, uh, you can take me to the rap party. He says, oh, no, 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 I, I can't. I have to take Julie. I said, no, well, you asked me what I wanted. That's what I want. And he said, well, I'll ask her. And she said, well, of course you can take it to the rap party. Do you, do you take, a, take us both. <laughs> Simple as that. And that was that. And I think she was happy to kind of get rid of him at that point. I, you know. So as, as far as you're concerned, Jack had an anger problem and Warren had a f- fidelity problem. Yeah. <laughs> I see. And, and, and um, you know, I, I think that after three and a half years, Warren actually kind of got tired of me because he, he would do really stupid stuff like, uh, I, I, I got a movie with George Siegel and I was going to, I couldn't wait to do it. And Warren said, you can't do that. That would mean I would be alone for Christmas. And I said, yeah. And what's the problem? He says, you can't do it. So I actually gave up the movie. Oh, I'm sorry. What was and the movie? I, I forget. I just uh-huh. remember it shot in Canada over mm-hmm. Christmas. And mm-hmm. uh, then uh, I got Valentino. Right. Uh, you know, that, that Ken Russell was directing. Sure. And it was a fabulous part. I was I was playing Valentino's wife, Natasha Rombova. Natasha. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, Warren said, "You can't you can't do that movie." I said, "Why not?" He says, "If you do that movie, you'll be gone for 6 months." I said, "Yeah, but you can come to London and see me and th- there'll be times when I can come back to LA. I'm not going to shoot every single day." And he said, if you do that movie, it's over between us. And I realized that, you know, he was just waiting for an opportunity to... I see. You know, to make it kind of kosher for him, too. And... um, There's something sweet about a Lothario being so lonely. (laughs) 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 That he he needs companionship at the holidays. I know. There's There's a sweetness about that. Yeah. You gotta go where you wanna go. Do what you wanna do. So we're going to pause it right there, right around the middle point of this uh, show with the charming, and as you can hear, the very candid Michelle Phillips. In part two, uh, next week, we'll get into Michelle's acting career, her clashes with her co-star Rudolf Nureyev. Uh, we'll talk about meeting Groucho, visiting Brian Wilson. We'll talk about the lavish parties she and John. Uh, we're famous for throwing. We'll also get into the writing of California Dreamin'. Lots of great stuff in part two. So come back next week for the second part of rock and roll Hall of Famer and legend Michelle Phillips.